Well, this week we're going to uh, start a, a new sermon series called Imagine, and we're going to look at the parables of Jesus. Not all of them, but many of them. And the parables were something special. Uh, the, the Gospels kind of go out of their way to let us know, you know, Jesus taught this way, and his disciples even came to him, and they're like, why are you teaching like this? Why do you do this? And he gave an interesting answer. He said, he quotes Isaiah, and he says, so that they may be ever hearing but never understanding. He, he did it to kind of veil the truth just a little bit, and yet the parables are also these, these stories that convey deep truths in ways that people can understand if they want to. And that's the key to the parables. As we've heard, I've heard people teach before that, oh, it's something that's you know universally, universally applicable, that everybody can understand it. But Jesus gave us something different. He said it's, it's so that those who are marginally interested won't really catch the truth, but those who want the truth will find it. Which means we have a challenge. This is kind of a challenge that Jesus issues with parables. Is He's saying, you got to want it. You got to really mean it. You're, you you can't just give a cursory read or, or a you know a, a a light listening to the parables and really get the meaning that he intended. You'll find some truth always, but if you really want to grab onto it, the parables are something that we got to really pay attention to. And you know, in our modern culture, that's not something that any of us wants to do. We we are a fast food microwave world, right? Like, we want something right now. And in fact, I mean, you know, how many people in here, you know, you grab something that's frozen to put in the microwave and you're like, oh, five minutes. Man, I'm hungry now. You know, I, I know we have some, some seasoned citizens in here that remember that, you know, you started dinner and, you know, hey, in two hours, I might have something for you. And it's a process. Well, where Jesus kind of starts with the parables is talking about sowing seeds. Have we got any farmers in here? Gardeners? (laughs) What do we know about this? It's a process. And it's not something you can rush. Right? You plant a seed, you can't exactly like yell at it and make it grow faster. You know, it doesn't matter how much you want it to do something other than what it's naturally going to do. You can't force it. You cannot make it grow faster than it's going to grow. You, you can't change the process. It is what it is. And it's up to us to cultivate it, but also just to accept it. That, like, this is how we live. This is what it is. Well, Jesus uses the image of sowing seeds when talking about the truth of the kingdom of God when talking about the truth of how the gospel affects us. And so let's look in Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9. And he says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, A sower went out to sow, and as he sowed some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up 
since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Now, what a great statement right there at the end. He who has ears, let him hear. And you know what he's saying? If you want to learn, listen. But if you're not interested in truth, well, this may be a challenge. Because truth does something to us. You see, truth is something that when we learn it, we can't unlearn it. You ever notice that? You see, truth changes you. Once it, once your eyes are open to any truth in this world, it changes your reality. It changes the way you think. It changes the way you see the world. It changes you, and you can't go back. You cannot, you can pretend like you don't know it. You can ignore it, but you can never unlearn it. And so he's saying, if you want to learn here, there's going to be a lot that you can, you can gain from it. He who has ears, let him hear. So this morning I want to talk about three things in this parable. Okay? And it is seeds, soil, and stability. Seeds, soil, and stability. Now, let's start with seeds. What are seeds? What is it? It's potential. It is beginning. Okay? It, it, it has potential for becoming something so much more. I mean, we, we never look at the seed and are satisfied, right? With like, yes, that is amazing. What, what do we know the seed is? We know the seed is simply the beginning of a process. And we plant the seed trusting something is going to happen with that seed. And we don't even see it. We don't see what's happening. We, we just put it in the ground and trust that a natural process that God has put within that seed is going to start. Now, how many of you, I still find it amazing that you can have a seed that will sit in the open air for a long time and nothing ever happened, put it in some dirt and what happens? How does it know? I mean, the seed, it, it just sits there and it does nothing until you put it in some soil and suddenly it's like, go! And it starts growing. And you know that process never dies in seeds. There was a, uh, uh, an excavation that happened, uh, an archaeological excavation that happened uh, through Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And at the seminary in their library, they have a big display because they were the ones that headed it up. But they went and they found the city of Timnah. Now, how many of you in here know what biblical character was involved with the city of Timnah? That was Samson. Okay, the city of Timnah, they are the ones who solved his riddle. And so they used the scripture and they went and they found the city of Timnah and, and they excavated and they found a whole lot of, uh, you know, you know, artifacts and everything. And, but one of the interesting things they found was a container full of seeds. Now these seeds were over a thousand years old and they'd been in this container and they'd been there. And you know what happened? They took some of those seeds out. They planted them. And what did they do? They started growing. For a thousand years, these seeds sat there, dormant, in a container, ready to go, just waiting for the right situation to happen. And it worked. 
So a seed, as he's talking about right here, is something that has tremendous potential for life and growth. It is the beginning that is always available. It starts a process that's always going to happen. Now, of course, the seed here, Jesus tells us later, is the Word of God. It is the truth of the kingdom and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so every time, I want you to make a mental note of this, okay? Every time we come to the Word of God, it has potential to bring life. Every single time. But when we come, it may be that it's just planting the seed. So how many in here have ever read the Scripture and you're like, okay, I read it. Now God is my life. Come on, God. I read the Bible. Now my life needs to change now. Well, you see, I think what we're doing when we get that kind of mindset is that we're it's like we're yelling at the seed in the dirt to grow faster. You know, it's like we we, we dug it and we, we put it in there and pat it down and we look back at it and we're like, well, nothing's happening. When anybody who knows look at it and say, well, you just walk away from it for a while. But keep make sure it's watered, make sure it's healthy, make sure the soil's healthy. Just keep on doing what you did and, and it will work. Scripture's the exact same way. The more we implant it within us, the more life and potential it will bring out of us. But we have to plant the seed and we got to let it grow. And, and this is where... Too many people come to God wanting all of the benefits right now, but not understanding the process. Because God isn't just interested in the externals. He's not just interested in, in, in you know, whether or not we feel good about things right now. Those do matter to Him, but what He's really interested in is our heart. And He wants to plant seeds of truth in your heart, in my heart, that when they grow, they're going to establish roots, And it will be a source of life for you for all eternity. But that means those roots have to go deep. And that means that there is a process. You see, when God brings truth into our lives, He doesn't do it all at once. Amen? I I mean, think about the train wreck that would be if God did that all at once. Like you came to God and said, I'm going to fix everything right now. Now, I think we want that a lot of times, but if we really understood what we were asking, he'd be like, no, you don't want that right now. See, God knows how much we can handle in a moment. He knows what truth is going to bring the most harvest in our lives. And so he spreads the seed in our lives and he throws it out there and the Word of God is there and he says, just keep planting that seed in your heart. Just keep planting it because it has potential to bring life that goes beyond anything you can imagine. You see, there's a, there's a saying that I heard once that I, I really agree. It's, it's something I think churches need to grab hold of, but even more so individuals. And it is this, healthy things grow and growing things change. Healthy things grow and growing things change. And so when we get stuck in a rut in our life and we seem to just be repeating the same thing over and over and over and over and over and nothing ever seems to change, it's not that God's Word has failed, it's that maybe we've not implanted it the way that it needs to be planted in our lives. We might not be cultivating the soil of our heart because the process starts with just a simple seed being planted in our lives, which could be as simple as an idea that God puts in your head. 
And he says, you know what? I've planted this idea, and over the next few years, it's really going to grow. And it's going to be some, become something wonderful in your life. It may be a conviction. Conviction against sin. Conviction to obey God at a new level. And, and that we think, well, God, why? You know, okay, let's just make the change now. And he says, oh, this conviction is going to grow and it's going to start to consume your life in different ways so that, yes, you become this new person that I want you to be. But it never happens all at once. And one of the key things for every gardener and every farmer in this world is patience, right? It is diligence and patience working together all the time. You got to till the soil, you got to get it ready, you got to plant it, and then you just got to wait. But in the waiting, what do you do? Do you ignore it completely? No, what do you do? You, you, you pull the weeds, you make sure it's getting water, you tend to it in ways that ensure that it's healthy. And so in your life, if God is going to, or when God starts a work in your life and He plants a seed of truth, it's not that we're helpless and we just have to sit back and just passively wait for God to do something. It's just we can't force it beyond what God wants, but we can still tend to it. We can still look for the weeds that will choke it out. We can still look for where is our heart and our mind not right with this truth and maybe a hard heart or a closed mind that isn't willing to, to accept it. You see, what we have to do is understand that seeds, when they start, never look like the finished product. And so as we are tilling and as we are working in our lives to embrace the things of God, we can't look at what is now and make a judgment on what God is doing because what God is doing is going to look very different down the road than what it looks like right now. And as that seed grows, it becomes something entirely different that, that honestly doesn't resemble the seed at all. Right? You plant an acorn, what do you get? You get a massive tree doesn't look like the tree at all. And so sometimes if you ever wonder, like, God, what are you doing in my life? This doesn't make sense. He's planting seeds. And it won't look like when it's finished what it started out as. It's always going to be something different. And so I want to ask, what does it look like for God to plant the seed of patience in your life? What does it look like for God to plant the seed of kindness in your heart? What does it look like? Because it never looks like the finished product. So if He wants to start in, 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 you know, in this place and end in kindness, what does the seed look like? How do we recognize it? Because every experienced gardener, every experienced farmer, they know what the seeds look like, right? They know what it is. They can look at it and say, oh, well, you're planting this. That's what that seed is. They know what it's going to become. I think we would do well to start to study what do the seeds of truth look like when they are planted so we can start to recognize what God is doing in our lives much earlier. I'll tell you what it looked like for me when God planted the seed of patience. It looked like me hitting every red light between me and my destination for years. And you laugh, but my wife can attest to it. I And I literally prayed for patience, which don't do that if you don't mean it. Actually do it, though, because you need it. We all do. But I really did, and it became a joke. 
Like it, because it, it literally happened. There were places in, in Amarillo, Texas, where, where we grew up, that the lights were timed. Like if you made one, you made all of them. Until I went down that street. And I didn't understand. I'm like, these lights, why are they messed up? Everybody drives through here. Or if you hit one light, that was all you'd hit. And the rest of them would time out and you'd just go and it would be fine. Not me. I'm stopping every hundred feet. Stop, wait, stop, wait. And, and you know what? For a while I was aggravated by it. Then I became amused by it. Then I started to expect it. And then I gave up. And I started planning for my trips to take longer than it would for everybody else. And guess what? Patience was starting to set in. You know why? Because I started to adjust my thinking to, you know what? It's just going to take longer than I thought it would. It's just going to take longer. And I need to get out of my head that I'm entitled to things working out quickly. And suddenly my heart started to change in incredible ways. Like it just entitlement kind of started going away. I started to realize how much I expected life to work out a certain way. You see, the seed didn't look like the final result. And so I would like to ask you today, where is God planting seeds in your life? They may be aggravating you right now. Those seeds may be something that you're looking at saying, man, I wish this would just go away. I wish it would stop. And God's like, no, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm tilling the soil of your heart and I am planting seeds in it. And yeah, it is contrary to the life you have now. But I'm taking you somewhere good. You see, Solomon had this figured out in Ecclesiastes 7.8. He said, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. When we make room in our hearts for God to plant seeds of truth, and we know that for those things to grow, we have to tend to it, but we got to be open to whatever I think it is right now, it probably isn't. It's something else. When we become open to that, we start to see the truth of the matter, and that's exactly what Solomon, better is the end of a thing than its beginning. Where God ends up with things is always better than where it starts. We can look at that in here. Compare, not right now, but, but later, compare Genesis 1 and 2 to Revelation 21 and 22, and guess what? The end of a thing is better than the beginning. It's what God is doing. Hey, that's a blessed sound. I mean, it is a blessed sound in a church, and you will never hear me complain about it. Okay? <laughs> I mean it. And so, that's what a seed is. It is a beginning. It is a beginning that is going to turn into a blessing. It's going to turn into a wonderful thing in our lives. But we have to learn to recognize it. But we have a second responsibility in this, and that is the soil of our hearts. Because this is actually what Jesus talks about right here. He just assumes they all know what a seed is. You know, this is a farming you know, culture and community, and, and they would just walk out. They didn't have the fancy seed spreaders like we do today or, or tractors and GPS. You know what they did? They put a bag around their side and they just walked out and just started throwing it. And they knew the idea that sometimes that seed's going to fall in places that you know is not going to grow. It's going to fall on the path where it's hard and the seed can't even get in the dirt and it's just going to become food for the birds. But there are places that it's going to fall that's healthy soil. 
And that's the focus of the parable, is the condition of the soil. And what the condition is, is the condition of our own hearts and minds in receiving that seed, in receiving the truth of God. Have you ever wondered why it is that two people can hear the same glorious truth about Jesus and have completely different responses? That they can hear God loves you and He wants to be with you for all eternity and and you have sinned and it separated you from Him, but God loved you so much He gave His only Son to die in your place so that the penalty of your sin doesn't come back on your head and all you have to do is believe in Him and you'll be saved. And somebody can look at that and one person say, Amen, wow, thank you God. And another person can say, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Why is it so different? That is the condition of the heart. It's not that one person's better than the other. It's just simply one person's heart is tilled. It's open to truth. It's willing to listen when another has made up their mind and, and, and they are not going to hear anything outside of their own worldview, outside of their own feelings, outside of their own conclusions on here's how the world is. You ever been around that, that person? The will not, I mean, like the, how they see it is how it is. And, and you, you typically kind of see how everybody else around that person just adjusts their life because they know that this person isn't going to be reasonable. It's exhausting, right? How many times are we like that with God? No, God, I'm not going to change. And he throws the seed out there and it's something that could change our lives and our hearts for, for the better. And we just reject it. You see, sometimes I think we act like this is a one and done, that if we believed in Jesus, okay, our heart was good soil, and it's forever good soil, and we'll always receive the truth of God no matter what. And that's just not true. We can receive the truth of the gospel and be grateful for it and be saved, and yet still walk in disobedience in certain ways and have a hardness of heart that refuses to grow in certain places in our hearts, in certain places in our thinking. And we can, we can kind of rebel against it and not experience the growth God wants us to have. You see, there, there were different kinds of soil, and one was the hard soil. It's the impenetrable soil. It's hard-hearted people who will not give the truth a chance. But do not assume who these people are too quickly. And never assume it couldn't ever be you. You see, Jesus tells us a story in Luke 18, 9 through 14, it says, Jesus told this story to some who had great confidence in their own righteousness and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer I thank you, God, that I am not like other people cheaters, sinners, and adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give you a tenth of my income. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, O God, be merciful to me, for I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now the idea right here is that when we come to the Word of God, we have to be humble. Because none of us got it figured out completely. 
And yesterday's obedience and allowing God to plant a seed will bear fruit today. It will in time do what it's supposed to do. But you know, how many of you with a garden plant one seed and quit? And you grew one plant and you're like, yay, I succeeded. What's the point of it? It's that you continue to do it. And there's a time for harvest and there's a time for planting and there are seasons that you go through. And there's even a season where you let the land rest so that it can be restored. And so we have to ask ourselves, are we being humble when the Word of God comes to us? Because if we aren't, then we become hard-hearted. We become closed-minded and we stop growing in grace. I'm not saying we lose our salvation or anything like that, but, but you know who some of the most miserable people in this world are? Are Christians who refuse to grow in grace. They, they are. Because they're not experiencing that sweetness of fellowship with God and they, they feel it in their spirit. And, and rather than humbling themselves before God, they start trying to control the world around them and the people around them. And, and they become bitter and angry when that's completely unnecessary. And so we have to check the condition of our own hearts. Another kind of soil was the shallow soil. And this is the soil that it talks about. Jesus said that, you know, the seed falls on it and it's not deep, but it does get into some soil and it springs up quickly. It shows life really fast and people get really excited about the things of God all the way until God says, hey, you got to do something you don't like. Or they lose a friend over it. Or something happens and it says they, the, the sun comes up and because it has no root, it's scorched and it fades and it's gone. That's the shallow soil. And I think all of us in here, okay, I think all of us in here at some point in our lives can relate to that shallow soil. That man, we really got convicted by something of God and, and that conviction lasted all of about two days. And then we got kind of back to life how it was before and, and we moved on and no real changes happened. The struggle for the shallow soil is that we are ruled by our emotions in that instance. Whatever feels the best, that's the direction we go. And yet, what is the promise that Jesus said? He says, in this life, you will have trouble. If they hated you, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Persecution, disagreements, going against the grain of this world is going to happen. And when it happens, we have to have a root that is attached to Jesus Christ, that is attached to the truth. And if we don't have that, we'll quit. And then another kind of soil that does not produce fruit is he talks about it falls among the thorns and the weeds. And all of us in here have to admit we are more easily influenced by the outside world than we want to believe we are. You know, we all think that we can stand up against it and yeah, I think for myself. And then, you know, the news bombards us with negativity 24 hours a day. Television shows bombard us with ungodly uh, attitudes and thoughts and, and the music does this and then our coworker is also all over us and we find out that we're you know what? We are influenced by it. And I'm not saying that, that everything in life is bad and it's not this, you know, Satan is around every single corner and you, and you just got to be afraid of him all the time. But what is it that gets your best energy in life? 
Because there are influences that will choke out the truth of the gospel. That will stop the growth that we need in grace. It will happen. And if we don't remove those from our lives, if we don't weed our garden occasionally and regularly, then those influences will stop the growth of the seeds that God plants in your life. And this is probably one of the hardest prayers to really be honest with God in, is God, where does my garden need weeded? What weeds have I allowed to grow? Which weeds am I protecting? You know, just because a dandelion has a pretty yellow flower on it doesn't mean it's not a weed. And sometimes we like the looks of the weeds in our lives. And we'll protect it. And we won't talk about it. Because we, we really like that it's there. And God starts trying to root it out and He throws those seeds in that, that if we would take that root out, it would really grow and it would never come back. But we have to make that decision of which is more important, tending to the seeds of truth that God plants in our lives or maintaining the weeds that are already there. Because they can't both exist at the same time. Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. These weeds that choke out the truth, they are contrary to the truth of God. They are contrary to the will of God. It is allowing sin to grow in your life. And if you don't remove it at a level that allows the seed to grow, then you don't go anywhere. You can't have a healthy garden full of weeds and full of truth at the same time. One will win over the other. And that's what he tells us right here. He says the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. They are at war with each other. And we have to ask, which one am I feeding? If I'm feeding the Spirit with the Word of God, then that means I'm removing the weeds. I'm actively removing the weeds so that the truth can grow. And so I want you to ask yourself this question. When was the last time God changed your mind on something? That's a hard one. I I know it is. When was the last time God genuinely changed your mind on something? Through reading Scripture, through through maybe you know sermon series, not just one moment, but it, it became clear that you know God kind of kept bombarding you in certain ways and certain thoughts, and He's telling you this is wrong, this needs to change. When was the last time God changed your mind? If you're having a hard time remembering it, you may have some weeds in your garden that need pulled. And I don't say that in condemnation. I'm just saying, as we are following the truth of God, as we are following the truth of God, there is no way that we can just remain unchanged moment, week after week after week after week. Because God doesn't do that. Because what God wants from us is stability. And this is where he says, when the seed falls on healthy soil, the weeds are gone, it's deep enough, it's open enough to the truth, it's willing to receive it. What does he say? It says it produces fruit. And it says some 100, some 60, some 30. Look, it's not all the same. And don't compare your life, the fruit of your life, with somebody else's. 
Okay, I don't know any gardener that when they plant and all of the things grow up, some produce more fruit than others, but I've never seen them look at one of them and say, I am so disappointed in you. How dare you fill my garden with just two pieces of fruit when this one over here had nine? You know what? The gardener is always grateful for whatever fruit appears. They are. Like, oh, look what it did. And I promise God is the same way with every one of us. When fruit appears, that was the point, and He's happy. And He rejoices, and His people rejoice, because that means the Word of God has taken root in the heart. And the person has engaged that truth in a way that it has changed their lives. You see, health, but, but this health is determined in a long-term kind of stability. You don't, you don't look at the, you know, the, the sapling or, or the, the small plant coming up and say, oh, well, my work here is finished. When that seed first starts to appear, that's when actually you kind of work the hardest, right? You're keeping the weeds out. You're making sure it's protected. You're, you're looking over it. It's when the fruit appears that you're like, we did it. It's successful. But that fruit appears when? In season. You know you got to wait for it. You know you have to. And then when it appears, there's a lot of work right then, isn't there, in harvest. In fact, harvest is the hardest work in the whole process, right? That's when you work the hardest. And so Psalm 1, 1 through 3, this, I think this is why the Psalms start in this one place, because he wants us to see the truth of this. And it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now listen to this. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit, in, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. Wow. It... it, it and all that he does. Now, look, he says it's, it, he's planted by the stream. The leaves are there, but fruit comes in season. But there are always signs of life. And that is what we have in our, our life, our spiritual life. Are those signs of life? What are they? You may not be you know, at, at this place in your life where God is just blessing you abundantly and you see the harvest and it's all coming in, but that doesn't mean that it's all failing either, right? That means you can look at your life and say, you know what, God has helped me along the way and yes, I am more patient now. Yes, I am more loving. I'm not as loving as I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. And I am moving forward. And I am convicted by the Word of God. And I do spend time in prayer. And when I'm frustrated, I go to God. Do you know that when you go to God in frustration, that is a sign of life? You know when you struggle with doubt, it is a sign of life? See, Satan wants to condemn you for your doubt, but, but God only gets, you know, doesn't condemn us, but I mean, he's, he's only against our doubt when we give in to it and refuse to move. But when we struggle with doubt, that means we also have a belief that's struggling against that doubt. And when we go to God with that doubt, we're saying, I'm choosing faith over doubt. It doesn't mean doubt will never be present. It just means I'm looking to life. I'm trusting the seeds that God has planted. I'm going to move forward. And so he tells us it will be like a tree planted by the river. And so, I just want to ask you this right here. Where are you at in this process? 
Are you allowing God to plant seeds in your life and cultivate them and grow them? Or maybe you've turned a little hard-hearted, or maybe you've allowed influences into your life that are choking out what God's trying to do. And you're not really hearing the voice of God right now. All you have to do is turn back to God and say, yes, I will take that time, I will take that moment, and I will listen to you. And I will engage in the process that you have me on. And you can do it with this assurance in mind. Okay, Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. See, God doesn't quit. If he, if he grabbed you and he is planting seeds in your life, he's going to win that battle. It's just up to us as to how long do we fight it. Because we can fight it a long time. Ask people in the Old Testament. They wandered the desert for 40 years. And then God said, now are you ready? We're right back where we started. Now are you ready? Let's move forward. And so where are you in this? Not in condemnation, not in shame, not in anything like that, but just to ask, am I open and ready for God to plant the seeds of truth in my life that are going to grow into something amazing? 